Hey, welcome back to the Primetime Power Show. It's yours truly, Christina Williams, and we are on the segment from a woman's perspective. And this evening, I am so excited. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to my grandson. He's 22 years old today, and it's his birthday. So happy birthday, um, Karan, and we love you. So guess what? I have some uh, ladies here that is going to talk about some very serious stuff um, in terms of our children, in terms of those that don't have their family members or their loved ones. And so I do have two people here. I have Sharon Williams and I have Dana Wallace. There we go. I have Dana Wallace and they're going to talk a little bit about resource parents and how to become a resource parents. They're representing Tabor Children's Services and they um, um, so they work every day. So I want you guys to uh, feel free to call in. Our number here at the station is 610-574-0513. If you have a question or you would like to uh, add something to it, I do also want to let you know that <clears throat> excuse me, is resources. Uh, we talk about resource parents now, but they used to be called foster uh, parents. So in case you didn't know that there was a change and you didn't know what we were talking about, you will, um, you will hear some stuff. So it's not like it was, it's a little different now. Mm-hmm. And um, because they have different individuals, you know, it used to be that it was DHS that did everything um, for that, went back and, and studied the family and all that kind of stuff. So why don't we start by telling me a little bit about um, who you are at Tabor, how long you've been there, and what the experiences are in terms of being a resource parent. Now, we don't have to do it all like that, uh-huh. but those are the, the things that I wanted to go in. I wanted to know what the qualifications were to be a, uh, a foster parent and what and, and the difference between having a, and I don't even want to say normal child and child that has some kind of disabilities and what's the difference between the parents. And then I want to talk about the um, uh, families, that when the family becomes the foster parent, what uh-huh. is that called? Air resource parent. Yeah, but what is that called when the when the is the parent kinship? Kinship. Oh, okay. Um, talk about the kinship stuff. So why don't we start off with um you, Sharon, and then you guys can kind of um come in and kind of piggyback off of some things. So my name is Sharon. Um, I am a resource. I am a resource recruiter for Tabor Children's Services, and that just means that we go out, we um go to different agencies, we go to different um programs in the city we meet with all types of people who are interested in actually opening their homes to be a resource for a child that is in need of a loving family okay my name is dan i'm a resource parent recruiter i'm gonna piggyback off of what sharon was saying um we go out and we search for loving families that can care for over a thousand children that are waiting for placement in our system what we're looking for is children um, homes where children can feel loved and a part of a family. Mm-hmm. It's not always about what you have monetarily, but it's the emotional part that the child is missing out on. Mm-hmm. And we kind of critique those families to make sure that they are appropriate for these children. Um, we try to build upon that because it takes a community and a village to raise children. So that's what we try to drive as we recruit out in the area. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so... Um, if I wanted to be a resource parent and, and I called in, uh, I don't know how you recruit them, but I called in or you were at a resource fair or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I came over and I said that I was interested. So what would be the first step that I would 
it would take for me um, to even get into the process so that I could be uh, interviewed. Um, you will be have to be 21. You have to be 21 years old. 21 years old. You will come in for orientation. After the orientation, and you feel that this is something that you definitely want to do, Sharana, I will take you to the next step. Um, you will complete clearances, your child abuse, FBI background, a DHS clearance, mm -hmm. along with proving that you have sustainable income to take care of yourself and this child. Yes. The money that you receive for the child is a stipend for the child. It is not your check. It is the stipend for the child's needs. If you can prove to us that you have sustainable income, a home, and you're able to pay your bills, then we can move on to the next step, which is for you to take three pre-service trainings. Yes. The trainings will educate you on discipline, mm -hmm. how to appropriately care and identify the needs of a child, along with um, kind of learning how to deal with the child with being removed from the, the family of origin. Um, after that, you will receive a home study by a private consultant, which that person will interview you and pretty much find out how did you grow up? Uh -huh. What are your thoughts about the child welfare system? After that's formulated, we submit everything to the state for a location code, yes. and then you're certified as a resource parent. Oh, great. Okay, so so that is um, if I'm just meaning you guys out and stuff like that. So what happens when... Um, I'm removed from my home in the middle of the night. So um, when you're removed from your home, you go to CRU, which is DHS, and they would... Um, they what does DHS mean? DHS is Department of Human Services. Um, and what they would do is they would call around to the different agencies to see um, what home, what resource parent could accommodate you. Um, some of our kids are in for short term, some are in long term, but for that, they want to place them. They don't want them to stay out overnight. Um, so what they do is we place them in a home. We give them as much information as we get. Um, and then, uh, they would be able to start the process. Um, with kinship, it's a little different with kinship. We get a referral. It's on a referral basis. And then they place the child in the home and then we start the process. So the referral will go through DHS and then through you i'm trying i'm trying to get to where ds where you fit into the whole dhs process so dhs is the parents dhs would be the parents while the natural parents are absent um so they are solely responsible for the child we are provider agencies so what we do is we provide the services for the child um so anything it used to be where da it was just dhs a provider agency everybody had their different roles now they have um kua which is community umbrella agencies um and they provide the majority of the services dhs is just doing the initial removal um and then they back out and kua goes in and kua um, case manager is the case manager for the child um and they will come in and they would make sure that they are their needs are being met in their resource home and that they are safe um, and then they would move on from that aspect of you know providing a family base so how how would you support me as a resource parent, mm -hmm. um, how would you support me in terms of giving me the encouragement 
to keep doing it because I mean, if any of us have raised children of your your own children, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is a um, it is is something to be reckoned with. But when you're dealing with someone else's child that you don't really know yeah. all the history or what has gone on in their home, mm-hmm. and then um, to bring them into your home, there has to be. Uh, a feeling of trust, um, not only from the child, but from the resource parent that they could go to sleep at night and know that everybody is safe. And then the other side of it is um, when I get fed up, Mm -hmm. when I need respite, Mm -hmm. what happens when I need respite? When I call you, it's not that I don't want to do resource parenting anymore, Mm -hmm. but I need respite from this um this child i wanted to stay in my family in in the Mm -hmm. home but i just need a break okay um the most amazing thing about Tabor is that we're trying to formulate a parent support group where the resource parents pretty much bounce ideas off of each other and and provide the support to each other that's after hours Mm -hmm. while we're on hours we do have resource parent support workers Mm -hmm. they're your advocates in this system everyone has an advocate the child has an advocate the mom has an advocate Mm -hmm. the dad has an advocate now you have one with the resource support worker they're Mm -hmm. there to guide you and provide you with the resources that you need that you may not know about the tools the tools mm-hmm. exactly in regards to respite um due to reasonable and prudent parenting um you can now elect someone a family member to care for a child that's in your home where before it had to be another certified parent yes. or someone with clearances if you have an aunt an uncle a cousin and you say i trust them with my mm-hmm. child you can say guess what dana sharon the cool worker this is where my child is going to be at why mm-hmm. I kind of take a breather, go on vacation, or do whatever you need to do. So the, the supports are there so that the resource parent doesn't get overwhelmed with yes. the situation. Okay, so, so is there a limit of how many days that I could be respite, um, that I could be on respite? Before we answer that, <laughs> let's get back to the parent. <laughs> let's get back a little bit. Okay. So if I say, um, uh, okay, my aunt... Susie is mm-hmm. going to watch the child. So does the uh, Aunt Susie has to go through all those clearances and stuff, or you're going to take my word that Aunt Susie is able to take care of the child? We're going to take your word because what we want to do is provide normalcy for that child. Mm-hmm. Just like if that child was in an everyday home and you wanted to send that child to Aunt Susie's house, you send Aunt, send them to Aunt Susie's. So in this situation, as a resource parent, you would just send them there, but call to notify us that this is where the child is. In a situation where you take a child to another person's house, that's notification. Mm -hmm. Now, say if you wanted to go and take this child out of the country, then you would need consent. Yes. But that's the good part of how the system is trying to provide normalcy for the child, where you don't have to call. Susie doesn't have to be certified or cleared. Mm -hmm. It just has to be someone that you trust. And you are solely responsible for. Mm -hmm. Um, If anything was to happen, you are solely responsible because that's your child. Mm -hmm. Um, So we want you, you wouldn't, we don't want you to put a child in hands of a person that you wouldn't trust. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But we definitely want you to be able to do the self-care 
we we when we are recruiting we uh when we're sitting down and putting out everything it is to be a resource parent we let them know that they sign a policy about respite and we encourage respite because everybody needs um time to self-care and to be able to hit the restart button um so we definitely encourage that with our resource parents as well as we love for them to have a support system being a parent any parent, whether it's a biological parent or not, we want you to be able to have someone that you can call after hours. Or, you know, some people feel like a small little thing is not a big thing to call a res- I mean, call a case manager about, and they want to just vent um, without feeling like they're going to get in trouble or anything like that. So we definitely encourage our resource parents to have a village. Um, that doesn't always happen, and then that's when you create a village. So that's what we we encourage. And so you can help them um, create a village if, in fact, they don't have um, one in the in the close vicinity where uh, the child could go. Absolutely. Um, We're trying to get um, we're trying to put together our resource parents to have a support group. Um, whereas we are, some of our seasoned resource parents can kind of be a mentor to some of our new, um, resource parents. So they definitely, you know, get together every quarter and we do a big meeting, um, and they kind of meet up there and then they build relationships when they do their, um, their pre-service training because most of them are coming in together. So they build relationships of being in the training for, you know, the three consecutive trainings that they have to do. So what do you guys do? How do you guys? You took a deep breath. You think I'm listening to the Because it's fascinating to understand there are myths and there are mm-hmm. things that go around and people talk about uh, foster care as if it was um, the uh, sentence a plague. to uh, <laughs> yeah, sentence to hell or sentence <laughs> to prison or, or something like that. And so which dis- discourages people yeah. from wanting to participate. Not only that, you have people that have been foster kids mm-hmm. and now they're um, successful, <laughs> but yet they always go back to those troubling times in foster care. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very seldom that you hear, Oh, I had this wonderful foster mom Mm -hmm. and it's only because of discipline and all that other kind of stuff that has to happen. But the point is, is that it's not always a good, pretty situation. Mm -hmm. And we already know that we, we already had one of those that was recent. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I'm not even going to, um, charge you with, Mm -hmm. um, talking about that. You wouldn't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. But the, the, the issue is that in, in, um, how do we make people feel? comfortable enough to put their uh, family business out Mm -hmm. to be able to bring uh, a troubled child, not necessarily a troubled child, but their home was not um, sufficient for them to stay in at that particular time. Mm -hmm. So how do we get people to say, you know what? I really would like to try this resources. Do you guys um on a consistent basis go out to recruit people or do people you have a hotline where people call in mm-hmm. or do you have all of those things <laughs> that is happening? Yes. So we do. Um I'm going to let Dana t- speak too, but um we do. We do we get online inquiries, we get um DHS, they flood through DHS. Uh, we get referrals through there. We get referrals from going out and doing <laughs> events. Um, as well as word of mouth uh, from other resource parents. So we are, we're not 
to the point where we are, you know, searching hard um, and we're not getting calls, we definitely get flooded with a lot of people that come in and um, want and are interested and want to be, and they want to start the process. And then from there, we can kind of wean on who's really truly serious about becoming a resource parent for the right reasons. Um, so we definitely, it's definitely a different array of different places that we are getting our um, referrals from. Can I ask you a question? Yes. My question is, and you probably, my question is that, and you probably seen it on the news and stuff like that. The officer, the, the officer's mother, mm-hmm. was this, a mother, uh, was an adopted parent. I mean, she adopted the kid, right? And the kid wound up, they killed her. How do you know what kid is a trouble kid? How do you know? I mean, how do you, is it hard? I mean, I think that I'm not going to get into that deep because, you know, I can't get into that specific um, situation. But I think that it's with any child. If you were Mm -hmm. a teacher and you had a child in your room that you heard that they did horrific things and you're like, I would never I never would know that Mm -hmm. unless someone had come and told me that or if I if he had a record Mm -hmm. or some sort. So I don't think it's a way that we can kind of wean to see if this is going to be a bad child or if this is, you know, if I'm going to get, I think it's just that you have to parent the child. We give them as much information as we can. Mm -hmm. We don't go, we don't want them to go into anything blind. Mm -hmm. So when I'm talking to my resource parents, I'm I'm on call and I'm giving them the information that I have received. I'm not going to try to make it sound like it's going to be a walk in the park. If it's not, I'm going to give you whatever the nitty gritty, because you need to know who you're opening your home to. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're sitting here and we're trying to put, you know, flowers and daisies on a child and, you know, say Mm -hmm. that they are going to be this, this special child that is going to be no problem and no behaviors. Um, We have two types of resource parents. We Mm -hmm. have uh, resource parents who are a general level. And then we have TFC level, which is a a treatment foster care level. We Mm -hmm. call it SBH now, which is specialized behavior. And that means that some of our kids come in with some issues, some behavior issues. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we let them know and and they are trained on a different level. So general would not have a a, a child in their home that's SBH um, because they haven't been trained to be able to deal with the behaviors Mm -hmm. or to be able to identify when a child is, you know, in crisis or needs some special attention or might need to go to the crisis center. So we train them. um, We train them so that they can know what to do. And even if they don't know what to do, that they, they, we partner them so that they know that they can call. And on call is 24 hours. Okay. Okay, guess what? We're going to take a break um, for the calls. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the happy part of, <laughs> of the foster care. I know we got into um, some deep stuff that we left from uh, Martin Luther King's uh, speech. To, and I'm quite sure some of, the, some of the foster care workers have their own speeches that they can... Um, yeah that they can uh, uh, make that's going to be remembered. I just want to thank you. And so while we're going, we're going to talk a little bit while we're off the air, and I'll see you when you come back. This is Christina Williams. Yours truly from uh, A Woman's Perspective. This is Prime Time Power Show. And if you're interested, give us a call on 610-574-0513. See you when we get back.
Welcome back. This is Christina Williams, yours truly, the host of From a Woman's Perspective. And today, this evening, we're talking to two uh, powerful social workers that work at Tabor Children uh, Services. They're uh, recruiters for resource uh, parents. And so there are some wonderful things that they uh, they see and they do, and we appreciate you. Well, thank uh, you. If no one else says that they appreciate you, we appreciate you. you here on Primetime Power Show. So I wanted to, we went through some of the, the uh, worst scenarios or some of the information on how to become a resource parent. And I just want to say this, the song that you heard before the show i wanted to um play that one personally it's just one of my favorite songs but the other thing is that um i was telling dana is that we go through so much stuff and if we go through some stuff and we have almost like a normal life right and we have children that come in that you might not know that had devastating um uh, things go on in their life uh perhaps they were uh, at foster care, uh, three foster homes, four mm-hmm. foster homes, and things happened in those foster homes that they were uh, they that put them in crisis, mm-hmm. and so now they come through, and here we go again, and so one thing about children, when I know about grieving, uh, for children, is that uh, when they do grieve or they're in crisis, they cannot articulate what happened to them or they can't articulate what goes on, but they can act out. Mm -hmm. And so when you act out, something's wrong. Now, whether it's psychological or emotional or uh, physical, uh, that's something that's to be seen that we have to do it, but we cannot ignore the red signs, the red flags that kind of go up. Why is this child acting like that? Children do not act out for no reason. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for it. But I think that when we get into um, organized situations organized uh businesses and things like that we tend to kind of not see the red flags because they're so readily that we see them that Mm -hmm. sometimes we just say well you know what they're going to get over that or it doesn't work or um i don't think it's that bad or i think that she's good and so um the foster parent does not get uh all the information that is necessary we give an information on black and white but we are not giving it in the gray areas um, that they might have seen. The other thing, um, and I thank you for that, because you have to always be uh, in a perpetual state of discernment when you look at um, children and their parents and the, the, the people that are going to be the foster parents. But I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the good stuff that happens <laughs> in terms of the adoptions and, and that comes out of foster care and, the, and then how um, the children get to uh, age 17 or 18 when they can go out and live on their own and, and how you get them ready for that kind of stuff and, um, and what they have to do and when they get jobs and, and all this kind of stuff. So talk to us a little bit about um, those wonderful things that happen because it's not all a bad situation absolutely not um after 18 to 22 months the goals change from reunification to either permanent legal custody or adoption at this point the family has built a bond with the child they are as one um they then have the opportunity to adopt change the names and the child uh, legally becomes a part of that family moving on if the child does not uh, find a forever family, they can enter into our independent living program Mm -hmm. where they have their own apartment, they live independently, they save money, and they prepare to move out of the system and become independent. 
Um, a lot of the kids look forward to that. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome program. Um, it teaches them how to survive once DHS is out of the picture and once KUWA is out of the picture. Mm-hmm. We prayerfully hope that that child has gained all the tools that they need to succeed. Um, if they have any type of mental health program, I mean, any type of mental health issues, we do have a program for that. That's the AOI, Aging Out of Independence, where they'll be followed by a caseworker. They get some assistance with bills, um, budget planning, mm-hmm. and just to keep them um, stable and balanced as they move forward towards independence. Wow. And the, yeah, the Supervised Independent Living Program. Mm-hmm. But see, then you don't hear about uh, um, that as much as you hear about the problems that um, haven't so my encouragement is to see um, I was gonna say see if we <laughs> to, um, to see if that could play out I know um, Sharon had and by the way Sharon is my daughter so I just want you to know that because I'm getting what I'm getting ready to say I want you I don't want y'all to think well how does you know her <laughs> but um, and she talked about how exciting it was to see the resource parents come together and kind of celebrate uh, um, those things, those those wonderful things. While that is not publicized, mm-hmm. but the bad part is always publicized. I think the encouragement is is to put a lot of effort into that on a consistent basis. Yeah. Um, instead of you know, okay, you move to the next phase, yay, and in house everybody knows, mm-hmm. but we don't know out right. here that there is uh, some type of celebration. Well, we do. So what we do is we um, we do have social media. We do have we celebrate our kids as much as we can. Um, we just did the Christmas um, for Christmas. They make sure that the kids all get gifts. We get donors who donate. Some of them adopt a whole family of um, kids as well as our our individual kids all the way up to the SEAL program, which are our older kids, the 18, the 21. Um so I think we do we do celebrate them. It could be more. It could um, it could be more publicized, I guess, in the news and all of that. But we try to love on our kids as much as possible at our agency. Um, we try to make sure that they know that we are proud of them with small goals all the way up to you know graduating from high school, graduating from college, you know, graduating from a trade school, um, being able to um, function as an adult that has had this trauma that doesn't define them. So we, we celebrate them as much as possible. And I think that, um, sometimes, you know, we feel like we should put them to the forefront and sometimes they're not ready for that. Right. Um, sometimes they just want, they want a pat on the back from the case manager that has seen them from the front all the way to the end. Um, so we def, but we definitely do love on our, our resource kids. So that's like the village that you were talking about. So the foster parent, once, once you become a foster parent, does it mean that you are isolated from the agency itself? So, mm-hmm. Except if I come back and say that I need this, you know, this issue, I have this issue and stuff like that. We can just um, get together to say, well, you know what? She got a wonderful report from the teacher. And can we do something big in in terms of bells and whistles Mm -hmm. and stuff like that? Because it seems like it's small to us. Mm -hmm. But it's a milestone to be able to sit in the classroom uh, all the time if you have went through trauma. Mm -hmm. Uh, for most of your life and then now you're at school age 
and they expect you to sit down and be still and be quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the other part that I, I, I'm probably, it's probably not you guys that, that um, have it to do, but I know in the schools, when I was in the school system, they, um, they have all this evaluation and, and all this kind of stuff in terms of um, the child's being steady and being um, stable in making decisions and, and all that kind of stuff. And then they would have this worker that would, would come in. There's a variety of workers mm-hmm. that will come in when you have this. I don't, I forgot what it's called. When you have um, everybody that is responsible for this child together in a room. The IEP meeting. That's right. The yes. IEP meeting, which I really didn't mm-hmm. like at all. I really <laughs> listened. <laughs> I was asked to leave one. But um, the, the issue for me is that as I experienced that, mm-hmm. Um, I I actually experienced, you know, listen, I think these people need respite because they were not looking into the child as an individual. Uh Um, this particular child that I'm talking about was very, very violent. Um, and so when I brought him in my office and talked about why, I mean, just talked about, it's just like a private conversation Uh or why, why you acting like this? I didn't do anything to you. I mean, I put it back on him. Um, and he just started talking about, you know, my dad's incarcerated. My mom is out here. I can't never find him. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then this lady over here, she want to tell me what to do. And mm-hmm. I know I have a mother. And so nobody took the time to understand that the child could not articulate the pain that they were having mm-hmm. to the point where he could not concentrate on this. So the only way to get attention was guess what? <laughs> the only way the only way to get attention is to act out yeah mm-hmm. and so i don't care if it's bad or good attention i just need you to give me attention mm-hmm. so every morning when he came in i said you need to report to my office every time you come in mm-hmm. he came in i gave him this great big hug i walked him to breakfast he ate breakfast with me and stuff like that wonderful Tom come to find out he was a good friend of mine's nephew mm-hmm and I didn't know that until and the daddy got out and dad came up to the school for, for some reason. As soon as he saw the daddy act out again. Mm-hmm. That was his trigger. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So people don't, you know, we need to recognize, always be cognitive of the fact that we do have triggers. Mm-hmm. And most of it is grieving stuff. See, people don't believe that these children are grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, their parents are grieving something or grief is real. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very, it can be very, very devastating if we don't um, acknowledge it and do it and face it. So. I got a question. You all, as usual, you know, I looked over at you. You was quiet too long. My question is, the success stories you was talking about, is there any 18-year-old that has a success story that really gave back? I mean, that he can actually go out there and be a public speaker from your 18? That's a perfect question. Yes. We just had an event a month or so ago for um, children that identify as LGBT or Q. Mm-hmm. Um, we had two speakers um, one of them in which um, came from a situation where he had to come to America um, mm-hmm. and he wound up in the foster care system um, because he was to, um, provided a good resource home. Mm-hmm. He's now a college student and he travels across the country telling his story. Ambassador. Mm-hmm. He's actually wow. an ambassador mm-hmm. um, and he's very successful at what he's doing because it's, it's his passion. And one reason that 
he got to that point was because he had a good home mm-hmm. where you say that where people listened to him mm-hmm. and they listened to his story that which made it a little bit easier for him to navigate his way through the child welfare system. Mm-hmm. So there is success in those children. And I think he's maybe like 21 at this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. So guess what? Thank you ladies for coming and sharing. Um, thank your PR person, your supervisors and all that kind of stuff. Tell them that here at the primetime power show, we appreciate them and we appreciate, um, where you work. And I really appreciate them because they employ my daughter and she's really good at what she did. Hey, Christina, so, if you can uh, ask them to give the information about the organization one time before we close, you did it. <laughs> Their information. Yeah, you did it. You just okay. asked. Oh, okay. okay. I got you. <laughs> if anyone is uh, interested in becoming a resource parent, please feel free to contact Sharon Williams or Dana Wallace at 215-842-4800. You can also visit the website, www.tabor.org. And we do have a Facebook. Um, that Facebook is Tabor Children's Services. But I need to ask you one question before you clock out. Yes, sir. <laughs> What's your favorite show? <laughs> the Primetime Power Show. Yay. What's your favorite segment? Uh-oh. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> uh, uh, I like that. I like that. Now Nobody asked y'all if y'all like that. You're going to tweet that, too. You know, you go, What's your favorite? All of them. All of them. <laughs> you have to throw it right on there. All of them. <laughs> Well, we thank you guys for doing that. And until next uh, Thursday, we want to say good night. We want to say that um, may you have a uh, prosperous and safe week. So we're signing off with each one of the all of them. Good night.